you're listening to the Telltale Channel. Don't forget to check me out on all social media, Patreon, Twitter, Teespring, and Etsy. All links can be found in the description or on my website, telltaleatheist.com. In this podcast, we're going to talk about the transformed wife's absolutely backwards views on feminism, relationships, and basically everything else. Kevin Sorbo's wife, Sam Sorbo, claiming that everybody in the U.S. is school injured. Not to be confused with vaccine injured. Well, that too, probably. Because schools teach that God is evil and you should hate him. Televangelist Mario Marilla's weird obsession with the LGBT community. Lauren Boebert, Michelle Bachman, and Marjorie Taylor Greene, among others, dropping the mask and going full Christian nationalist. We also take voicemails. If you want to leave a voicemail, the number is 1-800-701-8573. If you want to send an email instead, the email address is telltalemailbag at gmail.com. I got a voicemail from somebody asking me to talk about the transformed wife, a.k.a. Lori Alexander. This is her on screen. If you're unfamiliar... She is a radical, far-right, anti-feminist, traditionalist. I don't even know how to describe her. You know what? You'll find out in a second. Let me just introduce you to her. This came out mid-September 2021. It's bizarre. Just check this out. I was not passionately in love with my husband when I married him. In fact, I didn't really have much feelings of love towards him. I was not affectionate. I didn't like people hugging me, except for my mom. And I didn't like my dad hugging me because I didn't have a close relationship with him at all. Okay, it sounds like she doesn't love her husband. Is that what you guys are picking up or is it just me? And so I wasn't affectionate at all. And then we would go to movies or watch TV shows with my mom and my sisters and they'd be all bawling their eyes out. And I wouldn't at all. And I, I kind of thought something was wrong with me because... Okay, now this is a post-hoc justification. She noticed a behavior that was odd, which is she doesn't love her husband at all, seemingly. And now she's going back and looking at all the other things. Like, you know, I wasn't very emotional when this was happening either, and I didn't usually do this either. This is her, seemingly, in my eyes, trying to justify not loving her husband. Well, I'm just not emotional, so it's no big deal. I just wasn't affectionate. I wasn't emotional. It just wasn't... The way I was. He wasn't fed healthy food and he ate terrible when I met him. And I was raised on organic health food. So that was our biggest point of contention. I had even told, written him a note saying I could no longer eat with him in the dining commons because I couldn't stand to watch the way he ate. I was Wow, dude, they just were not meant for each other, honestly. If you have a problem as fundamental as I can't stand to watch you eat, and you're, like, young in your relationship, that is a harbinger. That's a harbinger of disaster right there, in my opinion. But, okay, let's keep listening. That, and now I look back and, on that and see how incredibly manipulative that was. I didn't. I just didn't accept him the way he was. I want to change him. And so I was always finding fault with him. Don't pass him by just because you don't have those passionate feelings towards him. Okay, now the, the, here is the root of the issue that I have with Lori Alexander. Do I give a shit if she loves her husband or not? No, I don't even know the guy, nor do I know her. Here's why I don't like what she says or does. She's giving advice to young impressionable people who may not know any better. She is influencing people to make disastrous decisions that will absolutely 
end in failure and or heartache more often than not. It apparently worked out for Lori. She didn't love her husband, but managed to make it through and and maintain a marriage anyways. Do you know how often that happens? It is obscenely rare. Not to mention the fact that, like, how can you be with somebody, like, in bed? Like, how can you sleep with somebody who you don't like, who you have no feelings for at all, and be happy with that for the rest of your life? She actually addresses that. I chose not to include this video because it gets a little more graphic than I'm happy with, but her advice to that is just do it. How long is it really going to take anyways? That was her advice. Keep listening. Don't pass him by just because you don't have those passionate feelings towards him. Feelings will come and go. They're a terrible measure of love. Love is defined in God's word in 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8. Feelings come and go. They're a terrible measure of love. What? My feelings have not come and gone for my wife. I love her just as much as I loved her the day that, you know, we fell in love in the first place. The day we got married. I love her just as much that day. If your love is coming and going in your relationship, I would be, I would venture to guess that you don't really love the person. And getting married to them is probably a bad idea. And that's the kind of love that you want to have for your husband. Yeah, you know, feelings are good if they're good feelings and not critical and negative and angry, you know, <laughs> but it's not enough to base uh, a marriage upon. And when you have, when you fornicate before marriage, the whole relationship becomes one based upon feelings and it's so destructive. Dude, citation needed. What, what is she even talking about here? When you do that before marriage, it becomes so in an ideal world, did you just never, ever do that ever at all? lest the relationship become based on feelings. It seems like that's the risk, right? If you do that in the first place, you risk making the relationship about feelings, right? I mean, she has come out and said that she has never like denied her husband this or whatever. Like I said a minute ago, she says, how long could it really take? Just sit down and do it. That is an unhealthy view of a relationship. Deeply, deeply unhealthy. That's why God wants us to remain sexually pure for marriage. He wants us to only have sex within the bonds of marriage because those bond us together and they're, they're warm, incredible feelings instead of feelings of guilt and knowing that what you're doing is wrong. You quit communicating. You quit. It's just, it just destroys the relationship. Hasn't destroyed my relationship, made it better. I didn't feel any guilt. What are you talking about? Feeling guilt over like getting with somebody. I, I'm not, the dots are not connecting here. I don't understand. I know it's not taught this these days, but it's God's will. And it's, it's not taught because it's nonsense. It's non-scientific and I don't give a shit if it's God's will or not. So anyway, this woman has deep, deep issues, needless to say. Check out her views on feminism. Believe it or not, she gets even more unhinged. Early August 2021. Today's women want equality. And that's what they were taught, to fight for equality. And what has equality gotten us? It's caused the destruction of the family and marriage. Well, I was going to say freedom, but okay. In their fight for equality, to become like men. That's all it means. No, it means to be equals. It does not mean to become like men. They don't, and even men are becoming like women, I guess. <laughs> you know. I, just, I don't understand. What is she talking about? 
This is complete nonsense beginning to end. She went on this long diatribe about spanking her kids and how she believes that it's for the best and all this other stuff. Personally, I actually did spank my kid when she was little. Uh, when Kylie, well, when Alpha Force Zero was a tiny little fella, I did. I did that. It wasn't until she was probably three when I realized that that's not the way to go. You know, maybe even been two. I don't remember exactly. But yeah, not a good way to do it. It's not productive. It's not helpful. It's not scientific. It is more destructive than productive. You should not be spanking your kid, plain and simple. There is science to back this up. There are non-violent ways of teaching children this thing or that thing or whatever else. I would never hit my kids. I never abused my children in any way. I never pulled their hair, never slapped them, never bit them, never anything that was abusive. We spanked mostly on the bottom. I'm sorry. You know what? I'm going to go there. Some people disagree with this. It's abusive. It is. You shouldn't do it. You shouldn't spank your kids. I'm sorry. Not to mention the fact that even if you don't think that it's fully abusive, it can turn in, it can, I'm sorry, it can turn abusive very quickly and very easily. Like I said, I spanked my kid when she was little. I was spanked when I was little, but it wasn't just being paddled in my case. It was like, it, it went a step beyond. It was not good. It was not healthy. It was not helpful. It didn't teach me anything. It didn't, it didn't teach me anything but to be afraid. Unfortunately, that's what these people want to teach. Fear. If the kid fears you, then they will do what you say. It's like that's all they really understand is fear. The adults, that's what they learned about God. You're supposed to fear God. You're a God-fearing person, right? And that's all they know how to teach. Fear. Spanked mostly on the bottom, sometimes on the upper thigh, and sometimes we spank, smack their hand. And that was it. And we only did it for clear obe obedience. We didn't do it often. We didn't do it in anger. We did it when it was clearly needed. Well, what's your definition of clearly needed? I've raised a kid and at no point in time was it ever clearly needed. There were always better nonviolent alternatives that accomplished the same goals without the violence. And they would be crying. Then we'd tell them, okay, pick it up. And they wouldn't, so we'd spank them. So it wasn't four hours. You know, I think one of them was, it took about four hours. You know, I, I'm not even sure on the time. Maybe it is an exaggeration. It just seemed like a long time at that time. I don't know if I ever clocked it. But we did that until the child picked up their raisin, picked up their toys, or stopped getting out of their crib. Literally, just the kid drops a toy. They pick the kid up. They spank them tell him to pick it up, set him down. So they set the kid, they spank the kid, set the kid down, tell him to pick it up. They don't. They pick the kid up, spank it, set it down, tell him to pick up the toy over and over and over again for four hours. That is abusive. I don't care who you are or anything at all. That's abusive. That's how we did it. We wanted good children. We wanted obedient children. If you discipline your children when they're young, they'll grow up to be disciplined adults. Okay, now she's giving us a series of excuses and justifications. So here's the excuse. We did it because we want them to be well-adjusted adults. That's not how you get a well-adjusted adult. I'm sorry. I mean, you can get a well-adjusted adult while spanking them. I mean, I'm pretty well-adjusted. It's not the result of spanking, but it's possible to do. It does not lead to having a well-adjusted adult. So that's her first excuse. Oh, to be disciplined adults and they are 
And if you asked any of our children if they were abused, they would say, not in any way. I don't care what your children say. It doesn't matter to me. You could smack your kid in the face and maybe they wouldn't say that you abused them. It's still abuse. Doesn't make any difference to me what they think it was. Because we loved our children. We're not abusive. We're not mean. We're not mean, mean or unkind parents in any way. We believe in God. We believe that his ways work. And spanking has been around for generations and generations. Once again, don't care how long spanking's been around. Doesn't make it any better or worse or whatever else. You know what else has been around for generations? Slavery. Doesn't make slavery fantastic, now does it? It's legal in every single state. Once again, slavery was legal in every single state for a while there, right? Or in most states at the very least. Didn't make it okay, did it? And for a reason, it works. Of course, it's probably not going to be for long because we're in such a progressive culture that's abandoning God. Yeah, so she had to take a shot at uh, old liberals, of course. That's Lori Alexander. I just want to introduce you to her because, as I said at the beginning, I got a voicemail about the transformed wife. So let's listen to the voicemail, see what they had to say. Hey, Owen, Guy Young, Brookfield, Illinois. Well, since I've been following your channel, I mean, I'm 69 years old, and I recently retired. Nice. So I only really started following you earlier in this year when I had some time since I was working so much. But I've uh, seen this uh, since I've been uh, YouTube and yours. I'm getting uh, the algorithm for the friendly atheist who lives in my state. Absolutely, yes. Hemant Mehta, he's a good friend of mine. But lives in Chicago, and I didn't know anything about him. And I want to know if you've ever seen any of his videos. I would assume he had... 100%. Yeah, I've worked with him on various different things before. He's written articles about me, and I've written articles about him, and yeah, totally. We've worked together on various things. We're involved in similar projects. We've worked with similar organizations and stuff. I don't think I've ever met him in person, but yeah, we have worked closely together before. One thing he's concentrating on is a woman called a transformed wife who's basically uh, like a, a Stepford wife. Uh, sp spouting uh, Christian ideals and how women should behave. I wanted, you know, I'd like to see something on your show where you maybe mention this and get uh, some of her videos or something like that because uh, she's she's pretty bizarre and dangerous. She's like the opposite of the uh, uh, what's her name that does the uh, uh, the, uh, the uh, satires on uh, Christian beliefs. The uh, uh, I forget what her name is, but she she does some good videos. But this one's like just the opposite. It's called a transformed wife son from the friendly atheist. I'd like to see some things on it. Keep up the good work. Yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, transformed wife is absolutely unhinged. Honestly, I didn't even show the craziest stuff. I just showed whatever I happened to have downloaded onto my computer. Because I have covered her before. It's been like a while, a couple of years. But if you go to my Fireside Chat channel and just search for like transformed wife or Lori Alexander or something, it'll come right up. Anyway. Yeah, she is another butter of epic proportions, that is for sure. And I appreciate the interesting trip down memory lane going through some of Lori Alexander's stuff because it was disturbing and weird, of course, <laughs> which is kind of my whole bit, you know, disturbing and weird or hilarious and sad. I should definitely make a graphic that goes on like my, my main channel page or something that says something like that, hilarious and sad. I think it fits my channel as well. Anyway, thanks for the voicemail. Hello, Owen. This is Ron of Tennessee, and um, I was going to take the time to tell you that I really like the show. I really like the fact that you get all the facts together before you start to say anything. 
Oh my God, yes. It literally takes me at least eight hours, sometimes 12 hours to prep for my streams, my Sunday night streams on my podcast or on the Fireside Chat channel. Every hour of a video that you see is a minimum of three hours of work that went into it, not counting prep time and editing and everything else. It just takes forever. But I think it's worth it in the end, so I appreciate that. I'm glad you like it. And um, I really appreciate that. My question is, why does the Republican Party fear Donald Trump so much? I just can't, you know, put my head around why he has so much power over them. Do you have any idea or do you know anything? I would like for you to tell me, you know, tell us, what is the pill for Trump? Thank you very much. And again, like the show, bye. Yeah, I appreciate the voicemail. It was really interesting. The answer to the question is because Donald Trump controls between 20 and 40% of the Republican Party. So if he were to split off and create a brand new party tomorrow called the Patriot Party, he talked about it, he could take with him uh, at least 20% of the Republican Party. They would leave the Republican Party behind and they'd start voting Patriot Party, just like that, which in my opinion is what should happen. But you know what would happen if that took place? Democrats would win every election from then on because the Republican Party wouldn't be able to compete adequately with the Democrats. Republicans and Democrats are neck and neck in pretty much every electoral battle across the entire country right now. They're like within a few thousand votes of each other in just about every election. And a lot of that is thanks to things like gerrymandering and various other underhanded, dirty tactics that are technically legal but probably shouldn't be. But if Trump peeled off 20% of the Republican Party never to vote for Republicans again, they would lose every, every election. Everybody would lose every election except for the Democrats. That's why Republicans fear Trump. He controls the party by controlling 20 to 40% of them. He controls the entire thing because they know he's vindictive enough to drag the rest away. On the other hand, that means that mainstream moderate Republicans have the power to wreck Trump's chances of winning any election. There's a massive schism right down the middle of the Republican Party, the moderates and the extremists. And that is why I believe Trump has no chance of winning in 2024. In my opinion, this is a prediction, so hold me to it. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But I believe if Trump runs in 2024 and actually gets the nomination, I believe that Liz Cheney or some other moderate Republican is going to run independent beside Donald Trump and steal those moderate Republican votes away. And as we know, it doesn't take much to completely cripple a campaign, to take enough votes away to destroy his chances of winning. So in my opinion, even if Donald Trump does win the primaries, he might, he might win the primaries in 2024 when he almost certainly inevitably runs. Even if he did win the primaries, I don't believe he has any chance of winning the general election because somebody's going to kamikaze themselves by running independent alongside him. But we'll see. We'll see what happens. Anyway, thank you so much for the question. They said something similar in 2016, so it's probably a little arrogant of me to make a prediction like that, a little 
a little dangerous, but you know, you should still vote. Always vote, of course, but that's my prediction, so take it for what you will. The biggest of chung guy. Hey Owen, sick with the flu here. Just wanted to ask, how do the, how do the JWs treat the history regarding the leadership saying they agreed with Nazis in World War II era? Good question. Matter of fact, Charles Days Russell was the founder of the religion. He died on Halloween night, 1916, I believe. He was succeeded by a guy named Joseph Rutherford, who basically did a hostile takeover of the organization, which at the time was called the Bible Students. When Joseph Rutherford took over, like, like I said, hostile takeover was not a willing thing. He took over the organization and fired everybody involved, and he went as far as to ban beards because he didn't want them to be reminded of his predecessor, Charles Taze Russell, who had a big bushy beard. So he went as far as to ban beards so people wouldn't be reminded of Charles Taze Russell. Anyway, Joseph Rutherford takes over the organization, I think, in uh, between 1916 and 1920, and then renames it in 1933 to Jehovah's Witnesses. Interestingly enough, a little fun fact for you, the Bible students still exist as an organization. They didn't go away after he renamed the organization. He just took all of their assets and properties. Anyway, Joseph Rutherford famously during World War II wrote to Hitler, wrote a letter that you can read. It's out there expressing his support for Hitler's disdain of the Jewish people. No joke. You know what? Give me a second here. This could be interesting. Let me see if I can find it. Hang on. Thank you so much for bringing this up, Biggest Chunga. I appreciate that. It was pretty interesting. So Jehovah's Witnesses were actually the targets in World War II in Germany. They had their own symbol, which is the purple triangle. Some political prisoners had a red triangle. Jews, of course, had the gold star that they were supposed to wear. But leading up to that, Joseph Rutherford expressed support to Hitler in the form of a letter. He wrote a letter to him. I believe that what, like the, the Purple Triangle stuff when they were in work camps and all that, I think that that was in the late 30s, early 40s, and the letter was written from Rutherford to Hitler in, 19, in the early 1930s. So it had not reached its peak. The persecution of the Jews and everybody else had not reached its peak yet when this letter was written. It said, this is jwfacts.com. It says, on Sunday morning, October 7th, 1934, at nine o'clock, every group of witnesses in Germany assembled. They prayed for Jehovah's guidance and blessing. Then each group sent a letter to German government officials declaring their firm determination to keep on serving Jehovah. And here's the letter to Hitler. Russell, founder of the Watchtower, was a Zionist and sympathetic to Jews as part of modern-day fulfillment of Bible prophecy. Rutherford initially continued such support. R Joseph Rutherford was the guy that did the hostile takeover, but changed by the 1930s to an anti-Semitic stance. So here's what he wrote to Hitler. Quote, be it known once and for all that those profiteering, conscienceless, selfish men who call themselves Jews and who control the greater portion of the finances of the world and the businesses of the world. This is all calling back to old Jewish conspiracy theories about them controlling the big banks and the media and everything else will never be the rulers of this new earth. God would not risk such selfish men with such an important position the Golden Age, 1927, February 23rd, page 343. That's a quote. The reason that it quoted the Golden Age here, the Golden Age was a Jehovah's Witness book. I believe that they pulled part of the letter to Hitler from that book, the Golden Age, which, by the by, I believe is now considered apostate material. If it's found in your possession by Jehovah's Witnesses, then you'll be punished for it. 
supposed to burn any materials from the Watchtower Society that are older than a certain date. Anyway, here's a continued letter. The Jews were evicted from Palestine and their house left unto them desolate because they rejected Christ Jesus, the beloved and anointed King of Jehovah. To this day, the Jews have not repented of this wrongful act committed by their forefathers. In 1917, the Balfour Declaration, sponsored by the heathen governments of Satan's organization, came forth, recognized the Jews, and bestowed upon them great favors. The Jews have received more attention at their hands than they really deserved. Vindication Book 2, 1932. The letter goes on. It was actually pretty long, but you get the idea. Generally, that's what it was about. It was expressing support for Hitler's goals and talking about Jews controlling banks and being greedy in the whole nine yards. So this originally started as a question from a super chatter. How do the Jehovah's Witnesses treat the history regarding the leadership saying that they agreed with Nazis in World War II? The answer to that question is... They pretend it never happened, and you are mandated to burn materials from Jehovah's Witnesses that are older than a certain date, because if it's older than, say, 1930-something or 1950, 1970-something, I don't even know what the date is they set now, it's considered apostate material. You, you're not allowed to have it. Some things you're not even allowed to talk about. It's apostate stuff, so really interesting question. Appreciate it. The biggest of Chungai, and why do you use Christian nationalists as the term for fundamentalist rather than saying Christo-fascist or theocrat, which is arguably more accurate, Imo? Part of the reason that I use Christian nationalist is because they specifically do not like that term. We can look at the things that these people say, the things that these Christian nationalists focus on the most, the culture war issues that they zero in on, and use that as a basis for what they believe to be the most important. Later, I'm going to be talking about this guy right here on screen, Mario Murillo. He's, he's a Christian nationalist, an extremist, a fundamentalist, the whole nine yards. And he went on this show, Flashpoint, not too long ago to talk about Christian nationalism and their use of the term. Just listen to what he said here. I love to call you names. They say, oh, you're a Christian nationalist. Let me give you a better word. You're a Christian rationalist. Okay, so he goes on to explain why he's right to be a Christian nationalist or whatever. But here's the point. The fact that he's addressing it in the first place is a sign that they feel that it's a bad term to be used against them. They feel like it looks bad on them to be called Christian nationalists. It's sticking. You know, I watch this TV show Flashpoint a lot. I use it as a basis for what culture war issues we should be addressing the most and in what terms we should be using or avoiding or whatever because their reactions to what they say or what we say or whatever else are a fantastic guide to what they think is working the best. So that's generally why I use the term Christian nationalist because they don't like it. They, they want to address the name Christian nationalist. They feel like it's negatively affecting their movement. That's why I use it. In case you guys didn't know, I get on Discord for 30 minutes and chat with people before the stream starts every Sunday. So 8 to 8.30 p.m. basically, I get on Discord in the special events channel and chat with people. If you guys wanted to come to that, you feel free. It's telltaleatheist.com slash Discord is the link to that. So anyway, yeah, check it out. Pretty interesting.
All that jazz. Owen, I think your soul leaves your body whenever you talk about Burger King, <laughs> right? Well, I felt like I was making absolutely nothing at that place. I, I was. I was making nothing practically. I was making $5.40 an hour when I first started there. And when I left there, I think I was making $5.75 an hour after like four years or some shit. I worked there for like ever. I did like the people that I worked with. They were pretty cool for the most part. Some of them watch my channel now all these years later. But some of them were real shitheads. And the pay was absolutely terrible. And it was hard fucking work. It was really hard. It's difficult to keep up with all that. Like fast food workers bust their ass. So do servers. Anybody in the service industry or whatever, they bust their ass. I feel like I work constantly, but I'm not really busting my ass. I work like between 40 and 80 hours a week, depending on the week. Probably closer to an average of 60 hours a week, but I'm not like busting my ass. I'm taking my time. I'm doing it at my own pace as I need to. I can stand up and I can get a drink if I want. I can eat. I can take a short break and go to the park or then and then come back. I just have to work late, of course, but I can do it if I want. It's not really busting my ass. It's just working constantly. There is a difference. And at Burger King, I busted my ass and I worked constantly. You know, it was rough. Can testify to that. I bust my ass cooking at McDonald's, but it's worth it for me as long as I get paid. Yeah, absolutely. I was doing everything that I could at Burger King to move up the chain of command. I wanted to, I was, in, I was on drive-thru originally, or I was maybe on cash register originally when I was working. Eventually, I went to drive-thru, just taking orders and stuff, and I got told a lot at the drive-thru that I had a voice for radio, that I should be like an announcer or something. Kind of funny how that ended up. But eventually I moved back to the kitchen. I felt that was kind of a step up, even though it was more of a lateral move. I felt like it was me moving up the chain and I was really, really trying to get hired on as like the manager there, like an assistant manager, anything at all. I just want to move up the chain, you know. But the guy there, the, the general manager was an ex-Jehovah's Witness. He's Pentecostal and knew that I was a Jehovah's Witness at the time and was trying to convince me to leave and just didn't respect me at all. He didn't respect my knowledge. He felt like I was a child and that I would always be a child. And there was absolutely no hope of me moving up. And he hired from outside to fill the missing assistant manager position. So I just never had a chance of moving up because they just didn't respect me at all. So anyways, I eventually moved on to do other things uh, and my life changed and blah, blah, blah. Middle, middle, middle. I'm on YouTube now. But anyway, I'm just, I, I understand that industry and it's not easy to do. You know, uh, this is neither here nor there, but a while back I realized that the word nuts rhymes with cowboys' butts. And I have been frantically and desperately trying to find some way to come up with a phrase that puts those two terms into the same sentence, but haven't come up with a good way yet. Next, we're going to talk about Kevin Sorbo's wife, Sam Sorbo, claiming that everybody in the U.S. is school injured, not to be confused with vaccine injured. Well, that too, probably. Because schools teach that God is evil and you should hate him. Give us 30 seconds and we'll be right back. You're listening to the Telltale Channel. If you like what I do and you want to see me continue to do it, check out my Patreon. You can also check out my Telltale Unfiltered channel, Twitter, and Teespring. All links can be found in the description.
This is Sam Sorbo, wife of Kevin Sorbo. Now, if you're unfamiliar with Kevin Sorbo, he's probably most famous for his role as Hercules in that old 1990s TV show. He was also the atheist, the evil atheist professor in God's Not Dead, like one, I think, or maybe two. I don't remember which one it was. Anyway, they are both religious extremists to the highest degree. Well, she's been doing a talk show circuit, I guess you could call it. She went on this show called Flashpoint, which is a show on the Victory Network owned and operated by Kenneth Copeland. It's unhinged stuff, dude. So she goes on this show called Flashpoint, October 11th, right? And she says a whole bunch of stuff about school that I just could not let go. So let's give this a listen, see what she had to say about homeschooling or public schools or whatever else. I love the conversation that preceded this one. The idea pre-proceeded that we are that that evil is taking over our children in our democrat run schools headed up by Randy Weingarten and the democrat run communist run teachers unions wow she really does not like unions first of all unions are not communist nor are they communist run by default i don't know of a single communist and or socialist in any position of political power in the United States. Seriously, name one for me. Okay, maybe you can name one, but I have no idea who it would be. Even Bernie Sanders claims the title of socialist sometimes, but he's not. He's a social democrat at best. He's still capitalist, still believes in free markets and in all that other stuff that comes with capitalism. He just thinks we should expand our social welfare systems and, and stuff like that. I'm a huge Bernie guy, by the by, but he's, he's just not a socialist. Nobody in the United States is socialist or capitalist, much to her seeming dismay. Anyways, as it turns out, she absolutely hates schools. Keep listening to what she had to say about it. And that that is what passes for education these days. That's all they have. They only have lies. And it's very sad because we're we're losing our place because we've been taught not to... Uh, not to stand up for ourselves. We are trained in school not to have discernment. Our schools are anti-Christian in nature, and they hate Christ, and they hate the truth, and so we are trained in this way. Dude, what? Schools hate Christ and hate Christians and teach you not to have discernment? What is she talking about? She is out there in Nutter Butterland, never to be seen again. This is absolutely nuts truth and so we are trained in this way all of us have been school injured at this point okay they use the term blank injured entirely too often this is honestly comical to me just i don't know six months to a year ago they were all over this tv show flashpoint screaming about being vaccine injured that was like the big popular word or phrase to use all over the place vaccine injured vaccine injured even though it was complete nonsense i just got my fourth vaccine as a matter of fact my my card is filled all the way up there are no more slots i got so many vaccines anyway uh god they're crazy about being blank injured you know why because they want to be persecuted they want to find some reason why they're persecuted even though they're not even though they have probably never faced persecution a day in their life They have no idea what persecution is. And persecution is something you can't really understand until you've experienced it in all seriousness. As a white, straight, cis person, you you wouldn't expect me to understand what persecution feels like. But I actually do know what persecution feels like as the result 
of my treatment at the hands of Jehovah's Witnesses. It's very deeply painful. It's a painful, discouraging experience that nobody should ever have to go through. What they're talking about, what they're experiencing, this isn't persecution. This is fake persecution that they're using to whip their audience into a blood frenzy, to make them, to increase their sense of brotherhood and group loyalty and trust between them. That's really what their sense of persecution is doing for them right now. And that's why Sam Sorbo, Kevin Sorbo, and everybody on this program, all of them, all the evangelicals I ever talk about, even Jehovah's Witnesses, that's why they're all constantly talking about how persecuted they are, because they can use it as a weapon against people. If people feel persecuted enough, like if Sam Sorbo makes the far-right extremist Trump supporter in West Virginia feel like he's being persecuted enough, then she can get him to do something insane. That's the point of persecution when they do it. Anyway, let's keep listening to what she said here. And that's the whole point of what I what I try to train parents in is how to bring up your children in a Christ-like home, in, in a home that honors God, in a way that honors God, right? The Bible's very clear. It never, ever says, put your children in school. It never but it doesn't ever say not to put him in school now, does it? This is how propaganda works. This is the disingenuous framing. She's trying to make you think that the Bible explicitly tells you not to send your kids to any kind of school that you should be teaching them alone solely, you, no matter what, when that's not what the Bible says at all. If anything, the Bible says you should teach children in the ways of Jesus or whatever other thing. It does not say a word about school being evil or whatever other nonsense. That is how propaganda works. She harnesses the power of religion to manipulate you into believing that she's right. If I were a Christian, I would honestly be offended by what she just did. It's kind of blasphemous, twisting the Bible around to your own ends, to make people follow you, believe you, trust you, over what God actually said in the Bible, supposedly. It's very clear. It never, ever says put your children in school. It never, ever says submit them to the government for their education. And so why are we doing this when the, when the schools are teaching anti-biblical uh, theology? Uh, they're not. No school is teaching anti-biblical theology. What, what is she even talking about? Schools do not teach theology. I mean, we're talking public schools, like K-12 to kind of thing. It doesn't teach religion as a core part or it's not supposed to i'll tell you this though if it did teach religion as a core part of the curriculum k-12 to it would most definitely be christianity and that is that should be deeply disturbing to everybody the reason it would be christianity rather than islam or whatever else is because christianity is the majority religion in the united states and has a stranglehold on everything every system from municipalities all the way up to the federal government. You can't run for president and win unless you're a Christian. We have never had a non-Christian president. Never. In the history of ever, as far as I know. Well, I guess Thomas Jefferson. The early days, maybe. But yeah, I would say the early days. We've probably had non-Christian presidents, like deists or whatever, as presidents. But certainly more recently, in the past hundred years, never to the government for their education. And so why are we doing this when the, when the schools are teaching anti-biblical uh, theology? They're not. Anti-Christian theology. Yeah, so true.
No, no, it's not at all. Like even a little bit. Look, I'll take any proof that they have. I'll take anything. Isn't it weird they never offer any and they expect you to believe it anyway? She kept going on and on like the Energizer Bunny. Listen to this, October 11th. God in the Bible is very clear. The parent's responsibility is to, quote, educate the child. Now, you have to talk about what you mean by educate, because what they mean by educate is not education. What the Bible talks about is education. Fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. There's plenty of of sources in the Bible that you can find that will show you how and what you should be talking about when you're talking about the education of your children. Wow. Okay, hang on. Am I to understand that she believes that the Bible says you should only educate your children to love God? Is that right? Is that what she's putting down? Because that's what I'm picking up right now. No reading, no writing, no arithmetic, only loving God. And I guess you could teach him to read because they're going to need to read the Bible, right? That's what I believe that she's saying right now. There's plenty of of sources in the Bible that you can find that will show you how and what you should be talking about when you're talking about the education of your children. And I can help also over at Underground Education Academy if you join the academy. I'll pass. And if you just want to come on the free um, website that we have, it's just a community of people who exchange ideas. There's a lot of help that we can offer there. But the education of children is not as as overwrought as the educators want you to believe. That's their job security. They've convinced you that you're incompetent. Do not. You are, Sam Sorbo. You are, as a matter of fact, incompetent. And let me just lay this out for you. Statistically speaking, say we got 330 million people in the United States, right? 330 million. Out of those 330 million, how many people are truly incompetent, like actually incapable of providing a good education to their kid a lot i'd be willing to bet what is it one percent hell if it's not a lot even say it's half a percent and let's say only a hundred million of the people in the united states are even in school in the first place being generous i have to imagine that's somewhere in the ballpark right what is half a percent of a hundred million people no need to wonder just loaded up our question gun let's go answer hunting 100 million times point zero zero That's 500,000 kids who will receive an inadequate education. A subpar is not even like beginning to describe what they would be getting because their parents are not competent enough to provide an education. That's assuming only 100 million out out of the 330 million people in the country are children that are in school at this immediate moment and that only one half of 1% of them have incompetent parents. That's 500,000 kids who will receive an, an, an education that is not worth having or no education at all, possibly. Did, is she not realizing how deeply destructive to society these ideas are and how likely it is that this is going to straight up destroy the United States? Having an uneducated population is a quick way to destroy national security, I would say. This would be like a national security threat if anybody was actually taking what she said seriously. And what was it she said a minute ago? Let me just step back. Hang on. But the education of children is not as as overwrought as... Right. I want to look up overwrought just to see what context she's w- w- using that in, see if it's correct there. So overwrought defined means in a state of nervous excitement or anxiety. Another definition would be of a piece of writing or a work of art too elaborate or complicated in design or construction. I guess it could mean that. I guess 
that could have been the correct context. The education system could be better, but it could be worse. And it is the only thing that's keeping the United States afloat right now. It's keeping people even a little bit close to competitive with other countries. Let's keep listening here. That you're incompetent. Do not submit your children to that, that abusive system. Oh, now it's an abusive system. Okay. Wow. This is not her first rodeo talking about how destructive schools are, destructive education is, or whatever other thing. Check this out. Late July 2022. This is an example of what happens when you think you know psychology, but you don't. Why the rebranding? So the first thing that you learn in school is you have to raise your hand to ask a question. That's a deterrent. That's actually teaching you viscerally because you, you embody it. Don't ask. That what? What? Okay. Wait a <laughs> Raising your hand to ask a question is is telling you not to ask at all what what is she talking about she has no idea what she's talking about whatsoever that actually eventually becomes trust the expert that's not education that's not a thinking person that's a non-thinking person that's what the schools are turning out that's what school produces okay now there's something called the slippery slope fallacy i'm gonna try my absolute hardest not to engage in this Okay, I don't want to make it out like, oh, no, if we do this, then this huge chain of events is going to lead to something ridiculous. I just want to follow this to a logical conclusion. Okay, what do we do if we have a question in school? The teacher is teaching, lecturing, talking, whatever. Instead of raising your hand, you're in a, a classroom with 30 first grade students and one of them has a question about what's happening. What does he do? He yells the question out. Now, what if 13 students all have different questions simultaneously? I'm trying not to fall down a slippery slope here. This is just surface level analysis, okay? It's going to turn into a chaotic train wreck. The hand-raising system exists because so many students need to be educated in the first place. This is what happens when you think you know something about psychology and you don't. You know absolutely nothing about it. She's pretending that this is like a brainwashing situation. You're brainwashing children into trusting experts because you tell them to raise their hand if they have a question. She thinks that this is subliminal programming or some other nonsense. This is insane. And to trust experts, like, and what was that last thing she said? That actually eventually becomes trust the expert. Okay, and of course, experts can't be trusted, right? People who know more than us on a subject cannot be trusted to convey that subject accurately. We need to do our own research, quote-unquote. Well, guess what? Who do you think put the research there for you to find in the first place? Experts. Of course, she's not looking in scientific literature for answers. She's looking on Facebook, but that's neither here nor there. That's not education, that's not a thinking person. That's a non-thinking person. That's what the schools are turning out. That's what school produces. Just literally everything about what she just said is complete nonsense, and I, I just don't know how to parse it. She's been on this media tour for a while, going around to all these different talk shows talking about how evil school is, how evil education is. Not just that, but how evil feminism is and all kinds of other crazy stuff. Listen to this one, mid-July 2022. So two things, Sam Sorbo. One, we are... 
This is Newsmax. Very glad that, uh, you know, God has his own creation and he creates like dangerous neon colors in nature to say stay away. We're glad that these teachers have colored themselves dangerous neon colors so that we know to keep our children away from them. We appreciate that. We're not trying to compliment the lib teachers. But okay, I think it's kind of amusing that they assume that only people to the left have colorful hair or whatever when I literally just did a story about Kat Kerr, supposed prophet of God, prophesying that God is upset with you for not liking her pink hair. And I speak these words from a person of hope I chose. Which is Kat Kerr. She believes, she's trying to make you believe that God is speaking through her mouth right now. So God says to you, he chose Kat Kerr. And what does he want you to know about the person he chose? If you don't like her pink hair, get over it! Right, that's the message that God would deliver to his people if he could communicate with society. Okay, the point is, Sam Sorbo and this Newsmax anchor or whatever seem to be under the impression that only people to the left have pink or colorful hair or whatever. It's just weird, dude. They're looking for the low-hanging fruit is what it boils down to. But secondly, how horrifying is this as a mom to watch this and say, like, this is the person who could be educating my child. No, what's really horrifying is that a parent would actually submit their child to that kind of child abuse. And that's what that is. That's child abuse. And What is? Having a teacher that has colorful hair? What is child abuse? I don't understand. Please inform me. What is it? What is it about this dynamic that's abusive at all? Uh, raising your hand. I'm sorry. You know what? She said it a minute ago. Why didn't I remember? Raising your hand is the abusive thing. My mistake. I'm such a dummy. It's child abuse, and we really mm. ought to mm. stop mincing our words and call call this what it is. And if anybody wants to take issue with me, they can go to samsorbo.com, and uh, we can have a discussion there. Yeah, you really want to get one over on me? You don't like me? Well, I dare you to go to my website and look up my stuff. That'll teach me. Definitely. That'll really put me in my place if you go buy my books. Com, and uh, we can have a discussion there. But teaching children that there is no such thing as natural gender is absurd. It's a lie. Okay, who said that? Who taught anybody that at all? Like, who? Which school? Which, which teacher is teaching children? I, presumably she's talking about elementary school. That, what was it? Natural gender is a lie? What was that? Uh, we can have a discussion there. But teaching children that there is no such thing as natural gender... Okay, I don't know what she means by natural gender, quote-unquote. And again, who is teaching anybody this stuff? This is nonsense. It's absurd. It's a lie. Uh, but we've been teaching lies for many decades. We teach children that evolution is truth. It is. <laughs> Even though it has yet to be proven. No, it's been proven a billion times over. If you don't believe that, then you just don't understand the science behind it. Evolution is not something you believe in. Evolution is something you either accept as the scientific fact that it is, or you don't accept it as the scientific fact that it is. I really don't care if she believes it or not. It, it does not matter to me one bit. What matters is that she's spreading this toxic nonsense all over the place. Proven. Uh, we teach them that they are accidents of nature. They're just a collection of uh, random molecules that happen to organize themselves into- Okay, no, no, no to all of that. I am not a collection of random molecules. I am the product of two cells meeting and growing into a human being. And before that, each of my parents was the product of that. And before them, 
their parents are a product of that. And it's gone down the line like that for billions of years. We are the result of billions of years of evolution and growth and change and natural selection and sexual selection and artificial selection, all kinds of stuff. That's just how it works. But she is absolutely appalled at the idea that anybody believes that nature they're just a collection of uh, random molecules that uh, happen to organize themselves into a human being and that's not what anybody believes literally anybody we don't even have a definition for human being anymore in they don't even have a definition for human being are you kidding me human being and we don't even have a definition for human being anymore in our schools uh, much less the definition of a woman in the supreme court anymore there it is. Yeah, it's just a culture war battle that she's waging right now. Just ridiculous nonsense. The definition of words are in the dictionary, and that's usually where people turn for them. This is all just completely made up. Although, for what it's worth, it is actually pretty difficult to define an object like that. You can poke a hole in any definition. I could ask you to define the word orange and you would have trouble defining the word orange. But for example, are tangerines included in that definition? You say it has an orange skin and it's a fruit. Well, what about a tangerine? Because that falls into the definition that I just gave. What about tangelos? What about peaches? You can continue to narrow it down more and more and more, but the end result of all of this is that definitions are really hard to pin down. That's just how it works. We have a colloquial understanding of what a tangerine is. We have a colloquial understanding of what a human being is or a woman or whatever other thing. What she's referring to is a culture war issue. When Ketanji Brown Jackson was nominated to the Supreme Court, they were putting her through the ringer, as they do with new Supreme Court justices, and they asked her what the definition of a woman is. And again, she was... She realized that it's not easy to define things that way because there are a billion exceptions to it. So she said, I'm not a biologist, just to push the issue off and not deal with it anymore. And that got these people whipped up into a tizzy. Frazzled. Frazzled is the word, I think. They were absolutely frazzled by that. Couldn't deal with the fact that she pushed it off and didn't want to handle a, a ridiculous culture war issue and they bring it up in nearly every single show that they do now not just sam sorbo but people like gene bailey lance walnut cat kerr hank kuneman kenneth copeland they all talk about this nonsense constantly so this is just her calling back to another stupid culture war issue a woman in the Supreme Court anymore. And these this is all lies. And it's child abuse to subject a child to those kind of lies. What's sad is that parents... What kind of lies? She didn't tell us any... She didn't define any lies just now. She said they can't even define human being or woman anymore. Well, what lies are they telling? There wasn't a lie listed there. There was just a lack of a definition, supposedly. What lie is being told? ...to those kind of lies. What's sad is that parents think that that is still a better choice than themselves just teaching the child how to be a human being. I guess we're leaving reading, writing, and arithmetic out of that then, huh? Just teaching them to be a human being. Reading is off the table. Unless it's 
reading the Bible, of course. That's important. So I guess reading just to that level and that level only, right? Now, I don't think they even want the kid reading the Bible. That would probably end badly in their mind. All right, this one is from early December 2021. This is a little bit older. She was at the Reawaken America tour, which is a far-right QAnon conference that's held. They've had Donald Trump Jr. there, I think. They've had Clay Clark runs it. They had a whole bunch of really high-profile people. Sam Sorbo, of course. Sam Sorbo is actually extremely influential, and her husband, Kevin Sorbo, is even more influential than that. Well, listen to what she had to say here at the Reawaken America tour. But I pulled my son out of school in second grade because they weren't educating him. They were training him a little. It wasn't going well. And I... Do you think maybe that's your son's fault? I'm just throwing it out there. ...started to question, what was, what was the final result going to be? He was learning how to be a bully. It was most definitely her son's fault. He, it sounds like he's just a shithead to me, honestly. I think the kid's just a shithead who refuses to, like, cooperate or, like, learn or work with others or any of that other stuff. And instead of accepting that her son is a shithead and needs to be disciplined, she decided to blame the school. Galaxy brain take. Because let's face it, in school, they teach you evolution. What is evolution? Survival of the fittest. Okay, they don't teach... Honestly, I didn't learn evolution at all in school. I went to school in West Virginia from third grade to 11th, basically, and I dropped out of high school eventually. I didn't learn evolution at any point in school ever in West Virginia, I don't think. So she's talking, what, second grade, right? They don't teach evolution in second grade. At the very earliest, I would say they would teach that in maybe eighth, maybe? More than likely, it would be closer to like 10th or 11th. What is she even talking about? And, and the survival of the fittest nonsense? What? Survival of the fittest. And what is that? That's bullying. Okay, this is her ridiculous excuse for why her son is a shithead. Christians have no business sending their children to public school. Oh, my God. Yeah, she's been railing against public school for a long time. It's honestly sad. She's also, interestingly enough, been railing against atheists for a while. This one's early December 2021. Education is the three Fs. Faith, family, and freedom. Mm. And there's only one way for them to get that, and that's to be with their parents. Wait, education is faith, family, and freedom? What? No, education is like reading and writing and math and science and history and stuff. She believes herself to be qualified to teach anybody literally anything at all. I feel so bad for her kid, honestly. This kid is not going to come out of this situation okay, is he? ...to be with their parents. And so I'll say this. Evolution doesn't give a crap about equality. Evolution believes in inequality. Okay. Evolution doesn't believe in anything because it's not an ideology. It is simply a scientific fact. There's nothing to believe in. Okay, if you're teaching your child evolution, you're teaching them slavery and inequality. And now God is calling the remnant to fight. And fight for what? For freedom, because Jesus Christ is the author of our freedom. And evolution has nothing to do with that. Correct. It has nothing to do with that. It's completely unrelated. What is she even going on about right now? This is insane. This is absolutely unhinged from reality. She not only rails against 
quote-unquote Darwinism or evolution or education or whatever else, but she has deep issues with atheists. Listen to this, early June 2021. The greatest trick the devil ever played was to convince the world that he didn't exist, right? (laughs) Okay, I guess. The greatest trick that the atheists ever played was to convince us that they don't believe in God. They do. They believe in God. They believe they are God. And guess what? They're a jealous God. That's why you can't go to church. Okay, I can go to church, actually. I'm fully capable of doing so. I just don't want to because it's boring as sin, no pun intended. She really doesn't like atheists, does she? She has deep problems with atheists. This is honestly kind of sad and embarrassing simultaneously, but I will be damned if it's not entertaining as hell to listen to her just, like, eat herself alive with, like, hate and anger, and it's just bizarre, dude. Let me know what you think in the comments or on Twitter at Telltale Atheist. Next, we're going to talk about televangelist Mario Marillo's weird obsession with the LGBT community. Give us 30 seconds, and we'll be right back. You're listening to the Telltale Channel. If you like what I do and you want to see me continue to do it, check out my Patreon. You can also check out my Telltale Unfiltered channel, Twitter, and Teespring. All links can be found in the description. This is Mario Murillo. He's a televangelist, and he is about as gullible as they come. And interestingly enough, he has deep issues with the LGBT community. When you mix those two things, gullibility and problems with the LGBT community, it never ends well. Listen to this clip from him. came out October 11th, 2022. This is on a TV show called Flashpoint. Check this out. But the devil overplayed his hand. You know... Gene, my son walked up to me last night and he said, Dad, you got to see this post that's on Reddit. I'm sorry for the choppy audio. There's something wrong with his audio at the time. Anyway, so his son walks up to him and says, Dad, you've got to check this Reddit thing out. How much you want to bet? This dude's a total boomer. That's his mindset. How much you want to bet he wants to appeal to boomers and doesn't want them to know that he browses Reddit from time to time. That would be like the ultimate betrayal among the evangelical extremist fundamentalist audience, right? Okay, so he claims that his son walks up to him with a a Reddit post open. Now what? And I looked at it and I couldn't believe it. Here's a 15-year-old boy that decided to tell his dad, I don't want to be a girl after all. And the father is trying... Okay, now let's pause here. No evidence for this, of course. No idea what post he's even talking about. You know, I've been on r slash conservative. It is just a, a bizarre hellscape on that subreddit. Oh my God, is that a weird place to be? But that's neither here nor there. He didn't tell us the name of this person. He didn't tell us where they're from or who their dad is or where to even find the Reddit post or anything at all. No proof offered whatsoever. No evidence to speak of. He just states it as fact, and people believe it. This is what we like to call an anecdote, and it is absolutely worthless in the world of science or the world of knowledge or whatever else. It doesn't get us any closer to knowing the truth of an issue. And even worse, this is a completely anonymous anecdote. It is worth literally nothing to anybody, but okay. So let's hear it. Let's hear about this supposed trans person who wanted to detransition, whose name we don't know, whose story we can't find, who's completely anonymous. 
and the father is trying to talk him into it still wow. because he said you look good in a dress and there's the groomer narrative these people these televangelists and others probably to some degree correctly believe that the whole groomer narrative or accusation is productive and gets people pulled away from the left gets them to believe that the left is evil and they're trying to corrupt our kids or whatever other nonsense that's why they say things like this because they think that it's going to further their goals of dragging people away from the left and toward the far right wow because he said you look good in a dress i've paid all this money for the hormone blockers and and i want you to have the surgery because i love the way you look in a dress you are far prettier when you're feminine okay this is complete nonsense this generally speaking this is not how it works from what i've read generally speaking when parents have a kid that comes out as trans there is something of a mourning process not because they don't want their kid to be themselves not because they don't want them to have their own identity not because they think this is the wrong decision or any of that stuff but because they feel like the kid that they knew is a completely different person now because their their identity is forming out into something that they don't know or understand. It's something that the child knows and understands, but they do not. They may be perfectly supportive of the kid. They should be perfectly supportive of the trans kid, but they still a lot of the times feel a sense of loss or difficulty dealing with the feelings that come along with something like this. For the most part, from my understanding, the only reason anybody, any parent on the left would ever support their trans kid is because they want to support their trans kid. They don't have a vested interest in making their kid a woman instead of a man. They just want their kid to live their life and be happy and do what they want to do. Simple as that. And spending money on hormones or, or liking their kid, it's complete nonsense. So not only is this story anonymous, not only do we have no way to, to fact check any of this, and not only does this story not add to our overall view of the world anyways, even if it wasn't anonymous, but now he's stepping into just complete nonsense territory. Like, this doesn't add up at all. This is not how society works. But this is an area of society that their audience understands so little, they have so little experience with, that they're willing to believe absolutely anything they're told about it you know why because the people in the lives of the audience members on this are probably scared shitless of telling their family members that they're trans because they know they watch flashpoint because they know they're donald trump fans the family members of the people watching this tv show right now would never have anything to do or would never dare reveal the fact that they're trans or gay or whatever other thing and as a result these people are completely disconnected from the entire concept of transitioning and more gullible than ever as a result. More willing to believe absolutely anything told to them by Mario Murillo, this guy here. It's honestly sad. And this right here, this is the perfect reason why it's ideal for you to come out of the closet as gay, as trans, as whatever else, if it's safe. Don't do it unless you're safe. But the more people come out of the closet as gay or trans, the less they can ignore 
what's happening around them. The more accepting they'll be the next time somebody else comes out as trans. It's very important. So if it's possible and if it's safe, consider coming out as trans or gay or whatever it is that you are. Just keep it in the back of your mind. Anyway, let's keep listening to Mario Morello. Just completely make shit up as far as I'm concerned. Are prettier when you're feminine. See, this is what we're up against, ladies and gentlemen. This is how far it's gone. No, no, that's completely made up. That is not happening anywhere in the entire country. But okay, okay, let's just run with it for the moment. This is why people are rebelling and leaving the Democratic Party, because it is demonic. It is evil what's going on right now. Yeah, completely made up. The dude is obsessed with making up bizarre stories and claiming he found it on, I'm sorry, claiming his son found it on Reddit and showed it to him. The LGBT community is not his only target, though. He's been focusing heavily on mixing religion and politics together. Listen to this. That said, Terry McCollum, he said parents should not have the final say on their children's education. Well, that. Yeah, actually, I kind of agree with that. Parents shouldn't have the final say. A board who certifies a curriculum should have the final say. Now, if you want to bring the kid home at the end of the day and sit him down and explain, hey, I think that this is correct and that's incorrect or whatever else, hey, feel free. It's your life. It's a free country. Go nuts. But the kid should, at the very least, be exposed to a certain number of things. They should understand, at least at a low-level trigonometry, maybe some calculus, algebra, certainly, maybe some linear algebra before they get out of high school in an ideal world. They should understand the basics of science, chemistry, biology. They should understand the basics of this stuff. A board should be certifying all of this stuff and making sure that students are learning these things. Yeah, there's nothing disagreeable about what he just said. Parents should not have the final say over what students as a body learn. Well, that's what's done it, folks. And now the victory is ours. It's within our reach. We see it. We can taste it. And it's time for us to act. Does it taste like your mom? You know, the Bible says that when Paul was put in prison in Philippians 1, he said these words, I want you to know that the things that have happened to me by being jailed have fallen out for the furtherance of the gospel. And he said, many of my brethren are now bolder. You're watching it across America. So what Mario Murillo just explained to us is the reason why he is obsessed with spreading the idea of persecution through society. He wants to make his followers believe that they are persecuted. If he can make them believe they're persecuted, then it makes them more extreme, basically. He wants to radicalize the Flashpoint audience. He wants to make them think that they're mistreated so that they're more willing to do something about it. It creates a sense of camaraderie, group loyalty, and brotherhood. And that's why you see pretty much every cult through history weaponizing it against people. Pastors getting in their pulpit said, I'm sorry, I was silent on gay marriage. Forgive me for not talking about the evil of abortion. I am now going to signal to the sheep of my congregation how to vote, how to speak up. Okay, now, so what he's saying here is pastors are regretful that they didn't, quote unquote, get involved in politics 
by talking about gay marriage and abortion and stuff. That's never been banned in the first place. He's making up this fabricated fake persecution narrative where the government has been putting their boot on the neck of these Christians who never wanted to hurt anybody and preventing them from talking about politics or they would be put in jail. That's not actually what's happening at all. Completely made up. They were perfectly free to talk about politics to their heart's content with absolutely no limitations on that, except one, if they specifically endorse a specific candidate for public office, then they have to pay taxes. That's it. That's the only limitation. They're free to do it, but they have to pay taxes. There's never been a limitation on talking about abortion or gay marriage or any of the other stuff. This is the persecution narrative. We no longer fear this vile and devilish amendment called the Johnson Amendment. That Johnson Amendment is an amendment in IRS tax code that basically says if you specifically endorse a candidate for political office, you have to pay taxes. That's all it says. You can talk about gay marriage. You can talk about abortion. You can talk about absolutely anything. You just can't specifically say, I want you, my church, to go vote for Donald Trump on this day. That was a recipe to push people to pay taxes. Of course, the Johnson Amendment is not being prosecuted anyways. Cases of people breaking it doesn't matter. So they've been able to do this this entire time anyways. I don't. He's just making up fake persecution for people to be outraged about so that they'll be radicalized. Called the Johnson Amendment that has silenced pastors for so many decades. Now we're on the, the alert. Now we're on the attack. We're coming on the offensive. You know, people will love to call you names. They say, oh, you're a Christian nationalist. Let me give you a better word. You're a Christian rationalist. Okay, now the reason that I included this section here about people are calling them Christian nationalists, that is actually what they are. They want to create a Christian state for Christians, by Christians, and remove non-Christians. They have a number of methods of doing so, which they don't usually like to get into. They're kind of slippery when you ask them how you're going to remove non-Christians. It really boils down to uh, two or three different ways. The plan is to either deport them to another country or take them out or convert them. Those are usually the options that are given to people when you form out a new state, like a Christian state or whatever. There are three options. Get out, convert, or die. In the long run, that is what Mario Murillo is pushing for. I watched this dude five days a week, practically, in various venues, talking about his plans for domination over the United States. That's his, that's his goal. It's Christian nationalism. But his audience knows that. Why is he bringing it up? Because he recognizes that the label Christian nationalist doesn't really look good on them. He recognizes that the left, or more specifically, people to the left of him, people to the left of hunting the homeless for sport, have been sticking that label on them. And he recognizes that it's pushing the polls down. The reason I watch Flashpoint, or one of the many reasons, which is this TV show, the reason I watch it is because it gives me insight into 
the issues that these people believe are the most important. Sure, they lean into culture war issues, things that they think are benefiting them. The 13 soldiers who died during the Afghanistan exit, they talk about that constantly, even now, like a year or more after it happened. But they also talk about things that they think are affecting them negatively, and this is a perfect example. They think that the term Christian nationalist is negatively affecting them in the polls. And that is why they're trying to rehabilitate the term or change the term or give their audience retorts. Somebody is in your face and they say you're a Christian nationalist. No, turn around and say I'm a Christian rationalist. See, that is the strategy. Address things that they think are damaging them and flip it around. Give the audience a retort of some sort. That's why I watch it. Now let's keep listening to what retort he's trying to give his audience to the Christian nationalist accusation. People will love to call you names. They say, oh, you're a Christian nationalist. Let me give you a better word. You're a Christian rationalist. You're somebody that is using common sense. No, to all of that. I'm not trying to get rid of democracy. I'm trying to save the very roots that brought our freedom to us. No, again, no, he's not. He is actually trying to install a dictator in Donald Trump. But think about what he's doing. Once again, another issue. Christian nationalism and erasing democracy are related, but not the same exactly. He thinks that the fact that the left is talking about Christian nationalism and democracy is damaging them in the polls, and that's why he's bringing them both up. So he addressed the Christian nationalist accusation by telling people to retort with Christian rationalist, not Christian nationalist. And now he's giving them a retort for the accusation that they're destroying democracy. Somebody that is using common sense. I'm not trying to get rid of democracy. I'm trying to save the very roots that brought our freedom to us. I'm not trying to destroy democracy. You're trying to destroy democracy. I'm trying to fix democracy. That's the retort for his audience. It's subtle, but it's there. And it is so disingenuous for the left to say that we're a threat to freedom. That is the polar opposite of what we are. That's issue number three. These are the issues that they believe are affecting them the most in the polls, and that's why they're providing the retort. And you need to say it. You see, you look at us on TV and you say, well, you guys are the experts. Are you kidding? The average everyday American has the power to be devastatingly effective to their friends and neighbors, suddenly speaking up. It does. There you go. That, exactly what I was saying here. He's trying to get these people to force their family members into these conversations to, quote-unquote, set the record straight. They keep getting called Christian nationalists. They keep getting accused of destroying democracy and erasing freedom and all that stuff. Well, just flip it around just like that. Just flip it around on people. Accuse them of doing the thing that they're accusing you of doing. You know, in this old video from Mario Murillo, I was kind of going through my archive. If you didn't know, I actually collect all of my clips into one place that you can access by going to telltaleatheist.com slash clips. It's a Dropbox account that has a list of every clip that I have ever used for the past two years, I think. It's in there. So check it out. It's kind of interesting. It's free. I'm not selling anything. It's just interesting to peruse through my clips. Anyway, I was going through my clips and I found this Mario Murillo video 
of him kind of laying bare his reasons for refusing to accept that Donald Trump lost the election. It wasn't the fact that he believed there's voter fraud. It wasn't the, it wasn't any of that. You know what it really was? You know why this guy refused to accept that Trump lost? Listen. You have one of two choices when you look at Biden. And the best answer is that it's fraud that put him in there. Because the other one is, is that America is really stupid. If Biden actually did win, then it means that America disagrees with me. And I can't handle that. I can't deal with that thought passing across my peanut. And I don't really want to face the fact that America is stupid. Come on. I don't want to face the fact that they disagree with me, so I'm going to scream about there being fraud. That doesn't sound like a good reason to me. Stupid. Come on. How could America decide to put a man in office when the economy was doing great? Were we talking about the same economy? Are we talking about 2020, the last year that Trump had in office? The economy was not doing great at all. What are you talking about? At no point... In the last two years that Trump held office, was the economy great? What? Our stature in the world was being uh, elevated when... No, we had lost respect massively, dramatically across the world stage when Trump was president. To a, an obnoxious degree, our world respect rose by a pretty good bit. When Biden took office, I had to put a man in office when the economy was doing great, when our stature in the world was being uh, elevated, when China was putting push back on her heels, when Europe was starting to pay their fair share of NATO. And dude, what is he even talking? This is all just nonsense propaganda from Donald Trump and his campaign. We looked at it and this man got the highest percentage of minority votes of any president that was ever Republican. That was ever Republican. Oh, okay. See, that's a nice little distinction you made there. Not the highest minority vote of any president that's ever existed or of any presidential candidate in history. No, of any Republican. Okay, that's a, a pretty important distinction to make. It was ever Republican. He got, he got 12 million more votes than Obama did when Obama was reelected. And... Mm -hmm. That's because there were more people voting. And I don't even know if that's a correct figure. Don't trust a word out of these people's mouths. Look it up yourself first. There were more people voting, but you know who got even more votes than Trump? Hillary Clinton and Biden both got way more votes than Trump for both elections. So I'm sorry you don't like that. I'm sorry that you feel like the country is stupid for voting differently than you. But that's democracy, baby. That's how it works. That's how it's always worked. And you can't scream foul when you lose like donald trump did he chose to do it that way anyways of course it's so much easier to believe it's fraud it goes down easier i can swallow that because what was that saying i feel like wait didn't mario Marilla repeat this like over and over what was it uh facts don't care about your feelings that's the one I, it was on the tip of my tongue right facts don't care about your feelings mario i don't care what goes down easier you lost deal with it or are you going to cry over it like your old buddy dutch sheets did i went to the over in the corner and i i grabbed a flag we had and i wrapped it around me and I laid on the floor and I sobbed and I knew I was crying with, with him. 
with God. I knew we were crying together for this nation, Gene. And it became so intense <clears throat> that at one point I said, and I meant this, this was not hype or I'm not trying to be sensational here. I said, God, please, you have to stop this because my heart is literally going to break and I'm going to die. And I said, please don't kill me. So for three and a half hours this happened and here's what he said to me at one point. And I know this, is, this was God. And I could never, ever, ever be convinced this wasn't God. He said, I must have this nation. Imagine Dutch sheets wrapped in an American flag, lying on the floor crying for three hours because he lost an election or whatever. Because things weren't going the way he wanted politically. Because his guy didn't get into office. Crying on the ground with God, draped in an American flag, and begging God to fix things. Who's the snowflake now? Uh, who is it that, that's really facts over feelings? I'm just putting it out there. I'm just knocking around the old noggin for a minute. So, I, again... Mario, I, I really don't care if you think it's ridiculous or, or you can't handle it if things didn't go your way. I don't care. And it's so much easier to believe it's fraud. It goes down easier. I, I could not possibly care less if you think it goes down easier. Mario Murillo is ultimately an extremist, a fundamentalist, who is extremely critical of the LGBT community. And every single week, goes out here and tries to faith heal people. He does faith healing on people. And then this moment will come when the healing power of God will come like on that man up there in the blue with a heart condition. And God is healing you. Pretends to heal people for clout, for money. And it's disgusting. There is nothing about this guy's beliefs that are worthy of respect to any degree. If you disagree with me on anything that I've said, or hell, if you agree with anything I've said, let me know what you think in the comments or on Twitter at Telltale Atheist. Next, we're going to talk about Lauren Boebert, Michelle Bachman, and Marjorie Taylor Greene, among others, dropping the mask and going full Christian nationalist. Give us 30 seconds, and we'll be right back. You're listening to the Telltale channel. If you like what I do and you want to see me continue to do it, check out my Patreon. You can also check out my Telltale Unfiltered channel, Twitter, and Teespring. All links can be found in the description. We have a Christian nationalism problem. I think that's pretty obvious by now, but I want to show you the latest example of it. This is Lauren Boebert, or Boebert, as some people prefer. Personally, I like Boebert better. This is Boebert, mid-October 2022, at an event. Check out what she had to say here. But I'm so happy to be in Knox County. Thank you so much, Congressman Burchett, for inviting me and my husband here. I just want to... What, her husband's there? I hope there aren't any schools within 200 feet. I'm pretty sure he's got a charge for something kid-related, doesn't he? 
Yeah, her husband did jail time for lewd exposure. So I, I, I don't know if it's actually against the law for him to be within a certain number of feet of a school. But either way, uh, I'd be surprised to find that people are actually inviting him places with that in mind. I guess they just don't care if he's, you know, submitted kids to indecent things or not. But I digress. That's not what this video is about. Let's keep listening. Start really with two words. Let's go, Brandon. <laughs> so edgy. Wow. Can you believe she said such a thing? I can't believe it personally. It's so risky to say something like you don't like the president. Oh my gosh. Can you imagine? It is something else to be serving in our nation's capital right now. In all seriousness, there is a calling on each and every one of you to be involved and to rise up. It is an honor. What does she mean by rise up? I hear this from her an awful lot and from others. What does rise up mean to her exactly? I'll tell you what it means to me. It means to get violent. It's code word for do something fucking psychotic. That's what it means to me. That's what I think when I hear her say that. And that should be concerning to everybody listening. I know it's a little thing, but it shouldn't be. This is the kind of thing that should get you disqualified from running for office when you're using violent coded language like that. It is an honor to serve in this time. I believe that Many of us in this room believe that we are in the last of the last days, and that's not a time to complain, that's not a time to grumble, to be dismayed, to be disheartened, but a time to rejoice. You get to be a part of ushering in the second coming of Jesus. That's insane. That is absolutely insane. She believes that the second coming of Jesus is so close that she's going to be in office when he comes. And these people are ushering in the second coming of Jesus. And that last of the last days thing, I've heard that before. I've heard that a lot from cults. Jehovah's Witnesses are probably most famous for laying down that line not too long ago. This is Jehovah's Witnesses governing body member Stephen Lett, and it came out mid-March 2020. So the events unfolding around us are making clearer than ever that we're living in the final part of the last days, undoubtedly the final part of the final part of the last days, shortly before the last day of the last days. When you find yourself repeating things that cult leaders have said verbatim practically, it should raise some red flags for you. It should raise red flags for everybody around you. She's by no means the only one saying this kind of thing. Check this out. This is Michelle Bachman. She is uh, an ex-member of Congress. I, th I forget exactly what she was. She was, in, she was in federal Congress, so she's a House of Representatives member, I think. Check out what she had to say. Mid-October 2022. This is brand new. I was actually at the Capitol on January 6th. I was there with a group of believers. We were praying. We were just out on the lawn. We were praying that day. And it was probably one of the happiest days. It was like a family reunion. It was like a picnic. The people were so happy. It wasn't angry. It wasn't violent. It wasn't any of those things. 
Okay, so this is her trying to rebrand the entire violent movement of January 6th. I don't care what Michelle Bachman claims she was doing with her little group of people. Other people at the Capitol on January 6th were busting in the windows, literally shitting on the floor, erecting gallows, and screaming, hang Mike Pence. So I, I really couldn't care less about what Michelle Bachman thinks was happening that day. But this is just another good example of her trying to rewrite history and rewrite it in such a way that believers are the good guys. Believers are the ones that were just protesting peacefully and praying next to the Capitol, right? There's no violence whatsoever on January 6th. They were just having a good time praying next to the Capitol, right? Capitol on January 6th. I was there with a group of believers. We group of believers were praying. We were just out on the lawn. We were praying that day. That's all they were doing. Just a group of believers praying out on the lawn. Nobody's doing anything wrong. And I remember distinctly thinking when I was there that this was planned, that this was insurgents that were in here. I, this is in real time. That's what I thought. Because we, we were just praying for peace. We were just there praying, praying for the nation, because the nation was in an uproar. So th this was a rebranding exercise to label the president himself a terrorist or an insurrectionist. It was meant to label his followers or supporters as insurrectionists and the Make America Great Again agenda as a terrorist agenda. And well, that's all true. He was an insurrectionist, or is. His followers are insurrectionists some of them have been charged with sedition there's no way to twist this around to be anything other than exactly what it is they are terrorists plain and simple i don't care what she claims she was doing as a believer on the lawn we have proof that this movement was inspired by donald trump manipulating his followers into doing something crazy and it worked and Michelle Bachman is over here saying true patriots, true religious believers, true people of God were over here on the lawn. It wasn't us. It was somebody else. I wonder what she would be saying if Trump actually did succeed in his plot in taking over the Capitol and taking out the congressman violently. Agenda And what they see standing between their goal to, to, to turn this country into a completely different nation is believers. Mm -hmm. Believers is the epicenter mm -hmm. because we'll stand for something. Something is more important to us yep. than politics. Yep. Yeah. And that's what the Bible says. And we will stand for biblical values no matter what. Yep. The mask is falling. They are ready for this to be a Christian nationalist's state. To be a Christian nationalist state, it would have to be run by religious leaders effectively, which we're basically there, almost. The political leaders in office right now can still be elected into place, but the Republican politicians are taking cues from the religious leaders. They're listening to what they're telling them and voting the way that they want them to vote. So in practice, we are a Christian nationalist state, or we're very close to it. On paper, not quite yet. We still have a way out of this situation. But here's the thing with Christian nationalist states. To be a, a full Christian nationalist state, the ultimate goal is to remove non-Christians. The ultimate goal is to dominate over a country with 
religious leadership to dominate over a religious country with religious leadership. They usually stop just short of explaining how they're going to turn the populace religious. It's one of three remedies, if you will. Either deport the Muslims, the Jains, the Sikhs, the non-religious, deport them out into a different country, force them to convert, or kill them. It's one of the three options. There are really no other options. Lauren Boebert, Michelle Bachman, and in a minute we'll talk about Marjorie Taylor Greene and others, are all putting a concerted effort into turning this into a full-blown Christian nationalist state, not just in practice, but on paper too. And it's deeply disturbing. Here's another example of Marjorie Taylor Greene going to a Nazi conference. This is a Nazi conference. No hyperbole. And giving a speech there, February 25th, 2022. My name is Marjorie Taylor Greene. I am the daughter of the King, the one true living God, the Alpha, the Omega, our Father in Heaven, and I am a forgiven sinner washed in the blood of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Dude, why are people always talking about bathing in blood? Like, taking shower, blood, blood shower? What? Why? Why? Why would anybody do such a thing? There was another video of Lauren Bobert talking about wiping blood all over like the chairs and the carpet and the, the walls and the ceiling of the Oval Office. Why? Please don't do that. Nobody wants any kind of animal blood or any other blood on anything. Don't take showers in it. Don't wipe it on stuff. Don't nothing, please. No blood on things. I would prefer. The one true living God, the Alpha, the Omega, our Father in heaven, and I am a forgiven sinner washed in the blood of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Is this creepy to anybody else? Look at that shit-eating grin on her face. Praise God. Amen. Christ is king. As I said, this is a full-blown Nazi conference. It's run by Nick Fuentes. It's called America First Political Action Conference 2022. Deeply disturbing views with these people. Deeply disturbing views. Openly, fully Christian nationalist people that want to erase non-Christians from the face of the planet. No hyperbole there. If you watch my Nick Fuentes video on it, you'll see exactly what I'm talking about. Anyway, Marjorie Taylor Greene, Lauren Bobert, Michelle Bachman, and others are obsessed with turning this into a Christian nationalist hellscape. Let me introduce you to Francine Fosdick. That's who this woman is on the right here. She's the relevant one, but this is Mark Taylor on the left. He is another Christian nationalist and an avid Trump supporter, to say the least. He's also a QAnoner, has all kinds of bizarre beliefs about just Democrats eating babies and all kinds of just, I don't even, God, he's not the subject, okay? Listen to what he said here, November 4th, 2020. This is the day after the election in 2020, after, we, I don't think at this point we really knew for sure if Trump had won or if Biden had won. We were still waiting for votes to be counted. Listen to what he said here. Why do you think Trump calls these guys names all the time? Because you're not dealing with humans most of the time. You're, you're dealing with entities. You're dealing with beings. Some of them aren't human, but you're dealing with beings. Right. He thinks that Trump's political opponents are demons. They inhabit a body, you know what I mean? And it's like, this is why he has no problems doing that. You, you know what I mean? You had a list of pastors out there 
that was made headlines that was supporting Biden. They were pro-life pastors. We disagree on the pro-life or the pro-choice thing, but we're supporting Biden. Are you kidding me? Let me tell you something. Every Christian, every pastor out there that voted for Joe Biden last night, you have bought a curse upon yourself and your family, your children and your children's children down to the third and fourth generation, and you need to repent. I don't care if you are pro-life. You cannot call yourself a Christian and call yourself a, a Republican or, or vote for Biden. You know what I mean? Or call yourself a Democrat, I mean. No, I don't know what you mean. This is like just a word salad nonsensical. All right. So the point here, I guess, is that if you vote for a Democrat and you're a Christian, you brought a curse to the third and fourth generation of your children. That's insane. Do you want to hear something even more insane from this guy? I mean, the next part of the story is about Francine Fosdick, the woman on the right. I just wanted to show you the kinds of ideas she endorses and believes in and runs with. She's a full-blown QAnoner. But seeing Mark Taylor reminded me of a, another hilarious video from him that I absolutely must play. Well, hilarious is relative, I guess. Sad and hilarious, which is kind of my channel's title if it had one context is roe v wade was about to be overturned they believed there was a baby formula shortage at the time and mark taylor is trying to explain from a theological perspective why there was a baby formula shortage this is from late may 2022 when politicians go to washington dc the district of columbia this is why they lose all wisdom columbia is another name for bail the district of bail they are working for and under the protection of the District of Bale, whose food source is the aborted babies. Do you think it's a coincidence that they are creating a food shortage for us? Did they know ahead of time that we were going after Roe versus Wade? They are going after our food sources because we are going after theirs, Beautiful. which wow. is the babies. This is absolutely insane. Oh, my God. Where are these people's heads, dude? Where are their heads? This is completely unglued from reality, honestly. So anyway, that is Francine Fosdick and her associate, Mark Taylor, completely unhinged from reality, honestly. I don't know what else to call this, really. Well, as it turns out, Francine Fosdick has been working closely with Doug Mastriano, who's running for governor of Pennsylvania and has a real shot at getting it. His polling numbers are not zero. It's pretty close between Doug Mastriano and I believe Wolf. Is that his? No, Shapiro. You know, let me just look. He's running against Josh Shapiro in the Pennsylvania gubernatorial election, which means he's running for governor. His chance of winning is not zero right now. It appears as though right now he's got roughly 41.5% to Shapiro's 50.3%. Do not take anything for granted. Anything. Up until recently, they were pretty neck and neck. It was considered a statistical tie. Don't take anything for granted. Get out there and vote. It's extremely important. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. The point is, Francine Fosdick, this woman sitting next to Mark Taylor, the dude talking about eating babies and stuff, she has worked closely with Mastriano, as a matter of fact. She invited him to her conference. She's a full-blown QAnoner, if that wasn't already clear. And this is Francine Fosdick praying over Doug Mastriano. Listen to this. Mid-October 2022. 
of Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. We praise you, Lord Father God, for the great and mighty things that you are doing and that you're about to do. We thank you, Lord Father God, for your angels going forth and keeping everyone safe from any harm or danger. We thank you that they're released from the front bumper to the back bumper to the side panels above and underneath. Hallelujah. What does that mean from the bump front bumper to the back bumper to the side panels and everything? What? What is she saying? I'm trying to understand here. Any harm or danger, we thank you that they're released from the front bumper to the back bumper to the side panels above and underneath. Hallelujah. We come against every hex, vex, champ, plot, plan, or ploy. Anything that would try to harm them, Lord Father God, we cut it off. We cut the serpent's head off right now with the sword of the Spirit. And we thank you, Lord Father God, that you make their steps as butter, as honey, smooth, Lord Father God. Yes. And that you will guide each and every one of them. That you will give them eyes as a seer, that they would be able to see mm -hmm. so clearly, Lord Father God. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for your Holy Spirit that goes before them, Lord, making the crooked places straight. We thank you for Rebbe. We Making the crooked places straight, okay? We thank you for Doug, our next governor. We thank you for Carol, Lord Father God, and the whole crew. Isn't Lord Father God a little redundant? Couldn't you just say one of them and get the point across? Why don't you keep saying that? That is going with them, Lord Father God. I thank you that you are covering them, Lord Father yes. God. And that as they go, uh, wherever they step, Lord, they're taking dominion. They're taking yes. ground for yes. you, Lord Father yes. God. Mm -hmm. So we give you the praise and all the glory because you are worthy to be praised. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name. She's really close to these people, actually, especially to Doug Mastriano. Like I said, she's had him at her conference. What her? I think she called it the Patriots Arise conference. It was full-blown QAnon stuff. And he went, I don't know. This was right before he won his primary race. And it got absolutely unhinged there. Oh my God, was it crazy. This is Mastriano at Francine Fosdick's conference called Patriots Arise. It's a QAnon conference. He made a guest appearance there. She gifted him a sword of David or some other nonsense like that. Anyway, listen to what he had to say. This is like right, I believe right before he won the primary for Pennsylvania governor against his Republican opponent. Yeah, so this was late April, 2022. God is really working in our state. I know things are dark. I know it's not going to be easy, but we're going to win on May 17th with your help. <laughs> I honestly have no idea how somebody as extreme as Doug Mastriano won a primary. It blows my mind. Like, he is way, way out there. He's not like a moderate Republican in any way, shape, or form, not even a little bit. He is an extremist for sure, far right. And in November, we're gonna take our state back. My God will make it so. 
Okay, we'll see. Your God, quote-unquote, will not make it so. There is a possibility that he might win with or without his God, but that's neither here nor there. (laughs) It's going to be beautiful. Pennsylvania is going to be the freest, most hopeful, most constitutionally-based state in the nation. People are going to want to move here, and Maryland as well. Yeah, I think he mentioned that because there was like another Maryland politician there or somebody who was trying to run or something. <laughs> We're going to unleash the potential, the energy and resources God has given us underneath our feet here. It's going to be a place of prosperity and hope. We're going we're gonna to fuel the New England and Middle, Mid-Atlantic states. I mean, it's going to be amazing. And, you know, you think Florida looks good? Amateur hour after we're in charge. <laughs> Yeah, if you're not sure of the cultural context here, Ron DeSantis is currently governor of Florida, and he's doing absolutely ass-backwards stuff there right now. He is pushing through bills that discriminate against the LGBT community and all kinds of other horrific stuff. It's absolutely wrong. I get the impression he's intentionally doing things that are that he knows are going to be struck down legally by various different courts just to see. Yeah, why not? It boosts his poll numbers. He might as well, you know, force discrimination against the LGBT community or whatever other thing, because who cares? Okay, what's the worst that happens? His poll numbers shoot up as a result of this insane stuff, and it doesn't work after all. That's kind of his view on this whole thing. So Mastriano intends to make florida look like amateur hour he's gonna make everything way 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 worse than it already is and for what it's worth mastriano came along a little bit later not too long ago actually came out and said this famously to a a crowd of eager listeners on day one the sexualization of our kids pole dancing and all this other crap that's going on will be forbidden in our schools pole dancing in schools. He thinks that's happening. Now, in reality, he doesn't think it's happening. He knows it's not happening. He, this is all just propaganda. He's trying to get people whipped into a blood frenzy because they believe that it is happening because he's talking about it. On day one, all the graphic, pornographic books that are in elementary schools will be, will be pulled out. They're not in elementary schools. We don't have that stuff in elementary schools. And no matter who you are or or what political leanings you have or whatever other thing, doesn't matter. Children should not be exposed to that scientifically. And everybody understands that. They don't have that stuff in elementary schools. It's just made up. On day one and done, critical race theory is out the window. I would love to know what that means, but okay. That's right. This is what it's all about. It's about politicians moving us down an extremist Christian nationalist path. It should be very concerning to us where things are going right now. Deeply concerning. We should be keeping an eye on this, doing everything that we can to fight against it, especially when we have sitting members of Congress saying things like what Boebert said. It is something else to be serving in our nation's capital right now. In all seriousness, there is a calling on each and every one of you to be involved and to rise up. It is an honor to serve in this time. I believe that 
Many of us in this room believe that we are in the last of the last days, and that's not a time to complain, that's not a time to grumble, to be dismayed, to be disheartened, but a time to rejoice. You get to be a part of ushering in the second coming of Jesus. Disturbing stuff, man disturbing stuff and she's already in congress imagine how much worse it would be with people like doug mastriano in office we have to get out and vote and stop these people from succeeding in instituting effectively a christian nationalist state let me know what you think about that in the comments or on twitter at telltale atheist thank you guys for coming and giving this a listen and i will talk to you next week if you like what I do and you want to see me continue to do it, you can support me in a few ways. First, there's Patreon. That's probably the best way. But if you want to get something back for your support, you can check out my Teespring. I sell all kinds of shirts and coffee cups and stuff on there. You can also check out my other channels. I have a Telltale Unfiltered YouTube channel where I go through long-form videos like Kent Hovind's seminar series, Jehovah's Witnesses TV show, and televangelists prophesying about politics. And finally, you can check out my social media. If you have a question for me, the best way to ask it is to tweet it at me. I'm on there all the time so check it out all links are in the description as always anyways that's all i've got for you thanks for listening